Welcome to season three of the Covenant Eyes podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Karen Potter. I'm so happy to be here with you. And of course, I've got Rob Stoddard joining me. Rob, how's it going up in Mount Pleasant? Hey, it's going well. Thanks. I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward today. Mark, our, our guest, has been just a, a really great partner with Covenant Eyes. And so, yeah, really looking forward to the conversation today. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Mark Dennison, we are so excited to have you with us. And you've been doing a lot of great things recently. I know you've created an amazing course in our Victory app. You've also published a new book, I believe, and we would love to hear all about it. But before we get into that, would you mind just giving our guests a little bit of your history, a little bit about your organization and um, how you got started in this line of work? Yeah, I love you, Karen. Rob, great to be with you all today, as always. Uh, We launched There's Still Hope in 2017 to help men who struggle with unwanted sexual behaviors and their wives who go through betrayal trauma. Uh, I was a senior pastor for 31 years in Texas, but during that time was battling my own struggles of unwanted sexual behavior. Got into recovery in 2013, uh, moved to Florida at the end of 2014 where we launched this ministry, moved here to be near our son and uh, our grandson due next month just got to get a plug in for him and uh, god just really laid it on our heart to let our problem become our platform and so uh, once we had some solid sobriety i went back to school got a master's degree in addiction recovery through liberty and we launched there still hope in 2017 and what we do primarily is uh, we meet with men who struggle i have a program I call the 90-Day Recovery Program, where I take clients through a 90-day program with my workbook by the same name, 90-Day Recovery Guide, where they do work and uh, a lot of reading, a lot of written exercises. We meet once a week. I also do nine groups using my uh, workbook that I wrote for that. And we have guys from uh, all over the world that go through that. I have groups just for doctors, just for pastors, since I was a pastor. And uh, so we love doing that. We do couples groups. My wife works with wives, as I said. She does groups as well. And we turn everybody we know to covenant eyes because everybody needs an ally. And the first thing I do every morning before I get out of bed is I go through my covenant eye ally reports to see how all the guys are doing. I made the mistake a few years ago of saying, anyone ever wants me to be their ally? The answer is yes. Now, same mistake, because now I spend about five hours a day just reading through all the reports. They're fantastic. So I really commend everything that y'all are doing. Well, we appreciate that shout out to our software. And and obviously, it's a tool coupled with the the programs that you offer and the resources and the counseling services. It really is kind of a joint effort, right? I mean, we need those guardrails. We need those protections on our devices to help us. But we also need community and connection. And oftentimes, we also need someone that can really walk us through how to overcome our challenges with addiction and, and to find freedom from that. So I know that in the course that you recently created for the Victory app, and for those listeners out there that are not familiar with the Victory app, the Victory app is loaded with amazing content and it's all free. So you definitely have to check this out. But 
Dr. Mark has actually developed a program in there that's for pastors. And it's, um, I believe it's called the eight role models for pastors in recovery, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Dr. Mark? Yes. Uh-huh. Awesome. Okay. And what it really does is that it gives you kind of a preview on how as a pastor and a leader, you can start that recovery journey. And do you want to talk a little bit about, I loved how you broke down the journey into four key areas of recovery. And I don't know if you want to dive into just maybe a couple of those different areas that are really important for a pastor and a leader as they're looking to take those first steps? Yeah, sure. Um, well, gosh, one, one of those would be community, that we can't do this on our own. We absolutely can't. Uh, one of the things I say, and, and I'm not the only one saying it, is the opposite of addiction is connection. And so apart from that, <clears throat> we don't have a chance. A lone sheep is a dead sheep. And so um, we also know from various studies that um, pastors struggle with this in this area mightily. Um, I saw one study that said that pastors and attorneys struggle with unwanted sexual behavior more than any other uh, line of work. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Isolation being one of those. Uh, We know that 37% of pastors are looking at pornography at least once a month. And so uh, community uh, is huge. When uh, I just spoke at a church uh, yesterday up in the New York City area and had several pastors there who came to see me afterwards. One reached out just this morning to say, I've got nobody to talk to. So connection is a huge thing. Another area is guardrails that uh, pastors are notorious for being caregivers in a positive way, but the stress that comes with that and the hours they spend that you can't always plan for and even document, going to the hospital, I've got a counseling session, any guardrails up. And so I encourage pastors to use the Billy Graham rule, the Modesto Manifesto, don't be alone with women, don't text women, don't uh, be on an elevator with a woman, don't have a woman in your office unless someone else is there with you. And so putting all these guardrails in place is huge. And so in the course on the Victory app, we take eight different models, eight different men through the scriptures and show the example they are on how we need to stay on track. And so I commend that course for any pastors, but also all the other courses that are there. And it's a growing list. And it is, it's amazing how many guys in my groups that I send to those courses go to that. And they're like, wow, I mean, this is so good. It is so uh, poignant. It's, it's on, it's on target. It's on track. All of them are, but uh, because my heart is for pastors because of my own experience as a pastor, uh, I do commend that. And it was an honor to be a part of that. Oh, that's excellent, Mark. And if we can, let's stay on this topic a little bit more. My heart's for pastors also. I I work primarily with the church and with pastors throughout the week. And, you know, something you said in there is that pastors just often uh, struggle with isolation. And uh, that's one of the the main reasons that leads them to some of these struggles. In your... um, you know, in your study that you you gave us that you role models for pastors and recovery, you talked about relationships that pastors need in their lives. And I think that's one of the hard things for them to find is really getting key relationships in their life. So can you tell us a little bit about those relationships, you know, starting with Jesus to a mentor and small groups and the need for church, all of those relationships that so many pastors are lacking, what do they need in their life and how do they get it? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Rob. Um, you know, we, we look at the Gospels and we see and need to see the words of Jesus and we hang our hat on everything he said, but sometimes we don't notice everything he did. And the sermons he preached by the example that he gave are profound. And one of those 
is what we call the man code, that there were certain numbers that Jesus had in his life. And I don't think that was unintentional. I think there's an example there for us. For example, the number one representing God, Jesus was consistently getting away on his own in the wilderness, in the mountain, by himself to be with the Father. He had the number three, Peter, James, and John. They went further with Jesus than anyone else. They saw more than anybody else. They experienced more than others. He had that inner circle, those three that knew him more intimately than others did. One of them even referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved because he felt that intimacy on a level that others just didn't. We need those three guys in our lives. Women need three women in their lives, and maybe two, maybe four, but a very small number for accountability. And that's that's the kind of person that when you struggle, when you have a relapse or slip, when there's a, an, an issue, uh, that's the guy that walks in the room when everybody else walks out. And they're there with you, not despite the problem, but because of it. So we need those three. And then we see the number 12. That's obvious. We need the disciples Jesus had, that number 12, that he spent so much time with. He only preached one sermon we had, but he spent three years with 12 men. And so we need a small group of some kind. Uh, we see the 120 uh, that you find in the book of Acts. That would represent the church. We've got to have the fellowship of the church, obviously. And we see the 5,000 that represents the community. And so pastors struggle because they get out of balance. Sometimes they've got the one. That, I mean, their their spiritual life and, and connection with the Father is fantastic, but they don't. no one knows them intimately. They don't have the three or they don't have the small group or the 120 or the 5,000. And so having balance with that, as Jesus did, is critical. If all I do is work on my spiritual connection with God and it doesn't become horizontal and I'm not bringing others into my circle, then when the temptation comes, when the struggle comes, and we know it will, then I don't have anyone to lean on and I am really in trouble. And, and Jesus is the ultimate example, but all through scripture we see it. The, the other thing I would say on that is the Apostle Paul, uh, I'd say to guys that like, uh, you, you need to be a Peter who had Paul. Paul went ahead of Peter. We need someone that's ahead of us in recovery. We need someone that's ahead of us in life. Paul had uh, Timothy who came behind him. We need a Timothy that's coming behind us that we're mentoring. Paul had a Barnabas. Barnabas was um, uh, the guy that came along beside him, a partner. I misspoke at the beginning when I said with Paul and Peter, Paul followed Peter. So we need the guy ahead of us, behind us, and with us. We need three guys in our lives. I think that's an excellent model. And I've heard that, you know, throughout the, my years at Covenant Eyes, that Peter, you know, that Paul, Barnabas, Timothy kind of relationship where you do have those different people in your lives. I think if you look, and it's weird to me because oh, oftentimes it's new revelation to people when they hear that kind of thing, that you need to be surrounded by those three kinds of people. But if you look at any other areas of our lives, whether it's in business or in you know exercise and fitness and all these other places, we always have those types of people to help us grow and to move forward. Mentors are so common in so many other spaces. Why is it so hard for us, though, to have those people when it comes to addiction and recovery? Is it because the sin is such an intimate, um, hard sin that we don't want to share and there's so much shame packed into that? Why is it so difficult? Two words, I would say shame and pride. Uh, shame says that I would rather die with my secret than be known in freedom. And until we get beyond the shame, and shame's different from guilt. Guilt is a Holy Spirit thing. We feel bad for what we've done. Shame shame says not only did I mess up, but God messed up what made me. 
this it goes back to Genesis, this woman that God created. We ultimately are blaming God by saying, I'm, I'm just a messed up person beyond repair. Pride says I'm in control. Uh, when a guy says I'm a controlled person, I tell him he's being redundant. All guys are controlled people. That's why we want to be the driver in the car. We want to pick the restaurant. And that's how we make it in life, it's by controlling things. So we get over this area, and pride says, that, that, and shame, that I have to be in control. The model I use for guys is John chapter 5, that the paralytic. He needed four things. The first thing was that he had to be desperate. Jesus said, you really want to be well. And if you have pride and says, well, I can do this myself, you're going to say no to that. And this guy went 38 years before he was totally ready, apparently. Uh, we have to have surrender. Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. Didn't make any sense. He couldn't walk yet, so I pick up your mat. But until we do the improbable, God does not do the impossible. And that's all about surrender. It has to be disclosure. Jesus didn't heal him in isolation. He could have gone to his house that morning, but he waited to sit in front of everybody. And so pastors and everyone else, we don't do this on our own. Someone needs to know our stuff because addiction cripples, but secrets kill. So the secrets have to come out. The last thing we see in John 5 was community. Same day, the man was in the synagogue. He just knew intuitively that he needed others. But when we live in shame, we live in pride. We think we can do this ourselves. And obviously that doesn't work. I said that for 30 years in my struggle. That this will be the day that I can figure this out on my own without anybody else's help. And, um, and obviously, we, we know on this side that it just doesn't work. Well, absolutely. We see that over and over and over uh, with men and women just trying to fight this battle themselves. And uh, that's why accountability is, is really so key in all of this. Um, Mark, just switching gears a little bit. Um, Tell us a little bit more about your latest book, your newest book, and uh, what's what's that geared to? Well, I've written uh, 10 books on recovery, but this one took six, seven years to write because I didn't know I was writing it. What would happen is um, whenever I'm just driving around or having conversations or doing life and some little tidbits or some little statement, some little pithy thing comes to my mind or I hear something, I think of something, I just grab my phone, I write it down. I was making a list of these, and I had five or six things. I was memorizing them and saying, these are things I need to live by, and the list kept getting longer and longer. And so someone said, why don't you put this into a book? So I did. I call it Recovery Rules. It's 100 uh, truisms that will change everything. So I've uh, come up with 100 things. And the first thing I did, actually, is I started sending these out to guys that were in my groups uh, as a text message every day. So I got a uh, technology thing figured out through another company where I could do that. And um, so every day there's about 300 guys that receive at 3 p.m. Eastern time a recovery rule. And so every day it goes through 100 then starts all over again. So from that, I wrote a book with a very short chapter on each one of these 100 truisms. And um, they're just real simple statements that I think are, are very biblical. They're not anything no one thought of before, but I'm trying to say it in different ways that are very memorable that guys can really hang on to. Uh, I go to 12-step meetings every week just as part of my own recovery, and you hear things there that have been around since AA started when the earth cooled, and we've been saying those same things forever. And so I thought, well, is there anything else, particularly of a more biblical nature, that we could say that might be some things people could just kind of latch on to. And so uh, I've got my favorites. Others have their favorites, but I came up with a hundred of them and that became the book. 
That sounds like an awesome daily, like just a little bit of motivation, encouragement on the journey. And I think we all need that. That's incredible. So uh, Dr. Mark, how can people get connected with the book? And then also you offer counseling um, and, and coaching services, both, I believe your wife does um, restorative for the women, and then you have courses and counseling for men. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, you and- reach out to us at thereistillhope.org. They just write out the word there's no apostrophe, there's still hope.org. We came up with the name my wife did because she, she just wanted women to know, especially that even when you've been through betrayal and when the marriage is really struggling because of repeated uh, addictive behaviors, that there's still hope. God can still resurrect this thing. So that's how we came up with the name. Uh, 941 uh, love for guys to reach out anytime, 941-526-4700. The thing that, there's a lot of things I don't do well. But one thing I do try to do well is to respond to guys as quickly as possible. Uh, we have, uh, as I said, nine groups that meet during the week, uh, just about every day of the week, I, I guess, other than maybe Sunday. And um, would love for guys to check out my freedom groups as well as um, the 90-day course that I have. And I do one-on-one coaching separate from that. And uh, Beth does that as well. And we do couples groups also. But there's still hope.org is a great way to find us and to hear about everything that we offer. That's incredible. Now, are these groups also open to ministry leaders and pastors that are struggling yep. with addiction? Okay, wonderful. Yep. And I'm assuming that it's a safe space for all of them to really get connected and to to be restored and to find that hope Absolutely. and healing. Fantastic. Yeah, anonymous. Yeah. The, the, the Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern and Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern groups are only for guys in ministry. Nice. And so we have missionaries all over the world. We have local pastors here in the U.S., uh, professors and seminaries, I mean, all kinds of people tied to ministry. And I never intended to start those groups, but we have so many pastors coming and they really value anonymity, understandably so. Right. And so that's that's why we do that Saturday morning at 10 a.m is our doctor's group because the, the physicians are the same way. You know, they, they really need to be careful about. And what we do, I, I wrote a book called Life Recovery Plan that the subtitles, it's not enough to get sober if you don't stay sober. And so what I did is I took 52 topics that are all freestanding topics. So you could jump in the group anytime and we just rotate through it over the course of a year. Some guys will be in for a few months. Some guys never leave. I, I intended them to stay in there more than a year, but we've had guys been there for over three years that just want to stay there because of the community. And um, so, yeah, the the life recovery workbook that we use, it's 400 page workbook that I wrote. We hit different topics of recovery that are valuable. You know, we'll talk about guardrails. We'll talk about intimacy. We'll talk about surrender. We'll talk about all these different things that are critical to keeping our recovery on track. Yeah, just to give people just kind of a sense of what uh, this book offers, one of them, my favorite rule that I've written is that if you're 90% in, you're 100% out. Uh, 90 is an A in most schools. Uh, in recovery, it's an F. you got to have 100 because if you're not desperate, if you're not 100% in, you're not going to make it. Another one that I've written, another recovery rule is that addiction is not a bad problem. It's a bad solution. No one asked for this. It's not something that we go out and find. It finds us as a response to other things. And I've written something I call an addiction pyramid that, that deals with four layers, the acting out, the triggers, the things that feed the triggers, then intimacy issues at the bottom. 
that stem from trauma, isolation, and abuse. So the point is that that addiction is a response to something else. And if we don't deal with the something else, then the behaviors are not going to stop. A couple other rules. One is what I call the 20-minute miracle. We know that because of the dopamine rush in the brain, that the neurology of the brain works such that when that trigger kicks in, and I use uh, what I call blast, when you're bored, lonely, angry, stressed, or tired, when the trigger kicks in, then there's about a 20-minute period when the urge to respond is greatest. And so what I teach guys is, 20-minute miracle is, if you can stay sober for 20 minutes, you can stay sober. So get up, exercise, jog, make a call, read scripture, do something for 20 minutes, and you can make it. Another one, isolation is not a condition, it's a choice. I have to make the choice every day to be sober. I have to make the choice every day uh, to connect. And let me give you just one other one real quick. We can do others. We have time. This one is something I really believe in strongly. Relapse is not an event. I hear guys say, I relapsed Tuesday, or I relapsed Monday night. I relapsed when I looked at porn. I relapsed when I masturbated. And when I try to teach guys this, quit, 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 quit thinking of relapse as an event. Relapse is a process. The event is the predictable outcome of the things you've been doing. And there, there's a cycle we go through. I see it, I think it, I plan it, I do it, I hate it, I cover it, and then I go do it again. So it starts with what I see. And the way to quit having new fantasies or to, to overcome fantasies is quit taking in new ones. So it starts with the eyes. I see it, I think it, I plan it, I do it, I hate it, I cover it, I do it again. It's that process. And so if I cut it off at the beginning, then I'm going to be okay. So I don't tell myself each day, don't act out. I tell myself, don't lust. I tell myself, don't take in the image. I tell myself, don't fantasize. Because uh, relapse is the predictable result of all the things we do. Uh, another way I say it in the book is that uh, it's all about your daily agenda. You know, if I'm not doing the right things, if I'm not listening to podcasts like this, if I'm not doing recovery work every single day. I've had two friends in the last couple of months that lost their sobriety, one 10 years, one 20 years. And the reason they were not doing daily work. And if I'm not going to continue in the battle, then um, I'm either working on my recovery or I'm working on my relapse. So those are just a few. Uh, love for people to, uh, to reach out to us, get the book, hope it can be helpful to somebody. Sounds like an incredibly helpful book. And I would encourage all of our listeners, we will have links in the show notes for you to go check out these books for yourself and get them as part of your recovery journey. Uh, Dr. Mark, I, I am so grateful for the work that you do and also for making a safe sp uh, space for our pastors and ministry leaders, because that is a really tough place to be in because there's so much at stake when you're in leadership and the call for pastors and leaders, according to the Bible, is is pretty strong and they, they have a lot of pressure. They carry a lot of burdens for their congregation. And so having some way to find that freedom from this addiction is so, so valuable. So thank you for you and your wife and all of the work that you do in your ministry. We appreciate your time today. Rob, in closing today, what is one of your, your great takeaways from our conversation? Well, I, I mean, especially for pastors, it's, it's those relationships, you know, get out of isolation, um, get the people around you that, that you really need to walk um, the way, you know, God's intended in this. And so um, I, too, I just love your material and um, just your wisdom. I, I really want to get that book. Uh, those are those are incredible little nuggets <laughs> there that uh, that are so helpful. So, again, thank you. 
for your ministry. And and also thank you for lending your uh, talents and your writing to Covenant Eyes in, in our Victory app. That's uh, definitely a great con- contribution. So Mark, thanks again for, for joining us today. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for what y'all do. Anyone that's tuning in or listening to this, you need an ally. And Covenant Eyes provides the very latest in terms of technology for that, the greatest resources. Go to the Victory app. Live there every single day. They are absolutely on the cutting edge. There are a lot of people that do a good job at this, but they've been doing this a long time. And um, to partner with them in any way we can is our honor. And so anyone who's struggling, you've come to the right place. And that's an awesome way to close today's podcast episode. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Please be sure to like the podcast, share the podcast far and wide, and let's do this together and let's make 2024 an amazing year. Thank you. God bless. Take care. And we'll talk to you soon.